WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate series to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies reviews and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommonplace. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have with me Dan Cobb. Dan Cobb is an innovator in quite a few things in life, coaching, compensation, and consulting with a different dynamic approach that will help you. It will help you align your life in a proper way. He also has leadership skills, and his leadership skills will help you get better at leading. So Dan Cobb, please tell us why you're here. But first, before you do that, let's do something new in this episode. Tell us your mission statement and then tell us about yourself. Well, that's an easy one. My mission statement through both of the companies I own is simply put, it's to help other leaders. That's what I live for. That's what makes me uh, makes me get up in the morning is helping other leaders. Okay. So let me, let's dig a little deeper into leadership real quick before we go into your life or anything. When did you become a leader and how do you describe leadership? Uh, wow. Great questions. Um, when I was younger in the army, I became a corporal, which is a, the lowest non-commissioned officer you can be in the United States Army. And I was age 20 at the time. At that time, I didn't recognize the fact that I was in a leadership position. It was just part of the job. So technically, when I was 20, I became a leader. So I've been in a leadership position since. And what was the second question? Um. What is, what is your concept of leadership? Like, explain to me what leadership means to you and what it is. Your leadership is inherent with all in, in all of us. Everybody has the skills to be a leader. It How you lead, JR, is going to look different how I lead, but we can both subscribe to the same tenets and we can both have success. You've probably encountered leaders in every facet of your life, some of who are in leadership positions, some of whom are not in leadership positions. Everybody can lead. Okay. Um, and, and I have, um, so Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about life uh, starting out and how you got to where you are today. Right on. Uh, I grew up in Platteville, Wisconsin. And right after high school, I went in the army where I was a military police officer for eight and a half years, active duty. I was stationed in Frankfurt, Germany, where I met my beautiful bride and we're still married. We celebrated 33 years last month. Uh, and then after Germany, we went to Fort Devers, Massachusetts, and then we ended up in the Republic of Panama. And during that time, I had some great jobs, met some lot, a lot of great people, still interact with my uh, fellow soldiers from back in the day. And it was a great experience. After that, uh, my wife and I went back to Platteville, to the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, where I uh, earned my bachelor's degree in biology. From there, um, we went to Northern Wisconsin, where I got a teaching certificate at Northland College, and then I taught for five years, starting in 2001. And after that, I became a principal, an associate principal and principal for five years, and I parlayed that experience into a uh, running my own school district for 10 years. So I was a superintendent of schools for 10 years, and during that time, I really 
felt like there was something more and I, I grew to yearn for something more. And fast forward into 2018 and my partners and I created our first company called Dynamico, which is based on uh, compensation software that allows employers to really make a difference in the market and really take their organizations to the next level. And most recently, I started a new company in, in July of 2022, where I am coaching, mentoring, and consulting through a leadership lens. And uh, my clients are reaping the benefits of my 30 plus years of experience in leadership and in leading organizations and uh, love it. I, I realized about four months ago, with I have a business coach and she challenged me to embrace my passion for leadership. And that was the beginning of the new company I created back in July of 2022. And does that company have a name? It does. It's called Leading Like a Buffalo. Leading Like a Buffalo. Okay. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of different careers, not just jobs. And, and I like that. So in life, how were you able to take this step in and do this? And I'm gonna give you a little filler about me. Like me, I was kind of, you know, I, I did a few jobs, odd jobs, but careers. I only did, I've only done two careers. The one that we spoke about in the conversation earlier and the podcasting. So how did you go from career to career? Cause it's like, you had great jobs. You know, you, it's about skills. It's not about tasks that you may have performed. I started realizing that when I was creating a resume after teaching and then a principal, all the things that I did in the military and then teaching in principal, they all fell into neat categories. So I just kept building on skills such as leadership. I didn't have to put on my resume, oh, as a teacher, I was a department chair. And then as an associate principal, I led a school of, and then as a principal, no, it, it was about leadership. These are the skills and the things I did in, in leadership. Oh, by the way, these were the jobs I had with it. So I didn't consciously, as I was encountering formative experiences along the way, I didn't think about, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, it's going to lead to something 15 years down the road. I just had formative experiences that grew upon one another. And looking back, I now realize that everything I encountered as an adult in my formative years in my 20s informed who I am today. And not a lot of people recognize the formative experiences for what they are. You know, we've all heard what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing, but we don't embrace the positive and the negative experiences for what they truly are. And those are learning experiences for your future self. Okay. Okay. Now with all this, it sounds like you've done a lot of traveling in your life. Um, with, with being in the military, you've gone to a lot of different places. So let, let me ask you this. Um, in these different careers, did it matter the geographic location for any of these careers? Did it, would, would you have not thrived or strived harder to do things in certain areas than than um, where you were previously? Geographic, that, that's an interesting way to look at it. So when you're in the military, it's rare that you have any type of control over where you're actually going to be stationed. Having said that, when I signed up, when I was a junior in high school, when I signed up to go in the military, I picked Germany. I had high enough test scores. The recruiter said, where do you want to go? My brother had gone to Germany. That was a route that was in front of me. It wasn't like I wanted to live my brother's life or go hang out with him, but it was a route that I knew. So I said, sure, I'll go to Germany. Sounds great. And then I had a couple of choices leaving Germany. I ended up at Fort Devens, Massachusetts, which was great. And then I came down on orders that I had no say in going to Panama. 
So geography didn't really play a role. When I became, or when I got into education, geography played a role because when you leave the teaching ranks, um, you're going for an administrative position, it's about fit. And that's one of the things with, uh, upon which I work with my clients, finding the right fit career-wise, because it, it's not about having a job and an income, it's about going someplace where you fit. And once I work with my clients to figure out, they figure out who they are, and more importantly, why they are the person they are, that is how they easily find fit in employment. So geography did play a role when I got into administration, both in the principal world and then as a superintendent, because it had to be a professional fit, but it also had to fit my family as I raised my two kids we had to find a place where I wanted my kids to go to school as well. So it was about fit in geography. And what I really let you, you mentioned my world ex, worldly experiences. One of the things we did with my kids, we back in 2008, 2009, my wife and I had a discussion as we were traveling out East on vacation said, Hey, let's get the kids to all 50 States before they're out of high school. Okay. So we did it. We went we traveled to all 50 States. And what I've noticed in me I can meet people anywhere and start talking to them because I've been to your state. I've been, you know, I've been, you told me where you're from. I've been to where you currently live and I've been to, to where you've grown up. So I've been to those states. I've eaten good food in a lot of states. I've seen <laughs> some sites. I've gotten off the beaten path. I've had a great experience. So I've traveled the entire country. I've traveled in Europe. We've been in a couple of places in the Caribbean. And I see that manifesting itself in my kids because they can speak from pe to people about experiences those people have had, whether they're native to another country or to our country, and they can relate because they've in embraced diversity that is inherent in our country. Okay, and that's cool. So what's your favorite place to go in the U.S.? Um, and don't say the Wisconsin Dells. No, no, I, I'm not against the Dells, but that's a two-hour drive from here and doesn't, it no longer brings excitement. It did when my <laughs> kids were small, but no. Um, you know, I really love going to big cities. I love traveling to New York and walking around the city. I love Boston. We used to live by Boston. I love existing in LA. We had a great experience when we rented a, um, a home on an 800-acre ranch in Arkansas. Whoa. And we were the only building on the ranch and it was desolate and remote and peaceful and quiet. And the Buffalo river was in the Valley bottom below us. And it, it was just awesome. Um, I just got back from a trip to Puerto Rico two weeks ago. That's technically the United States. Right. Yeah. And that was phenomenal. Like that is a hidden gem. So I've had, I have good thoughts about everywhere I've traveled and those are some of the highlights. Okay, so let's dig into to the things that make uh, you who you are and why you're here today. So let's talk about your partners. You have some partners. You've all started a company. Tell us a little bit about the formation of this company and tell us what y'all do with that. Uh, my partners and I, well, first of all, my one partner, Mike, who you've obviously checked him out on the website, Mike Joy, he and I uh, worked together in two different school districts and I hired him twice. And when I say that, Mike usually says, yeah, and he got rid of me twice. So I hired him in two <laughs> different districts. One, and he is honestly the reason I'm, I'm successful now. He's one of the reasons, because when I hired him in 2010 as my associate principal, and I was a principal, he literally was in the middle school classroom one day, the next day he was a high school associate principal and athletic director 
never having worked in a high school. So we spent the subsequent six months with him asking me questions daily. And in hindsight, and I didn't realize at the time, in hindsight, he was actually coaching me to understand who I was. Because we think a lot alike, and we agree with a lot of you know the actions we both do are similar. We approach life the same way. We view life in a similar manner. So we never talked about what to do. It was more, why did we do it that way? So he really challenged me to get inside my head and figure out the why behind who I am. And I really saw the value in that. So now I know what fit looks like and I know where I fit and where I don't. And it was because of Mike's influence on me in 2010. Fast forward a couple of years, I hire him as, when I'm a superintendent, I hire him as a director of teaching and learning. And he and my other partner both worked with me. And my other partner is Dave Betts is a CFO in the school district, recently retired from school. So he could join me full time because to share the, the, the load of what we're encountering with our clients. And the three of us were a good match personally and professionally. And we spent a lot of time evenings and weekends hanging out and we talked compensation. And that's where seven years later and thousands of hours worth of talking about compensation, we created what is Dynamico and our proprietary software, which is Dynamic Comp that allows every employer, regardless if you're private, nonprofit or public to create custom built compensation systems for every employee group they have, even if it's employee group of one. And what we're finding is our clients are finding it, we've been called revolutionary and disruptive in the last couple months because our clients <laughs> are able to make connections with their employees based on compensation systems. And that doesn't mean they're paying top dollar. That means they're recognizing the greatness within their employees. They've articulated what they want from their employees. Their employees deliver the the company pays them for what they're delivering on. So it's been a game changer, especially with the great resignation and the great reshuffle that's going on out there. It's not about throwing money and signing bonuses or beating the market by $2,000 a year. It's about being in the market, but creating systems that allow employers to make connections with their employees. And that's what Gen X and the younger generation want. They want to make connections. They want to make a difference. Our system allows for those two things to come to fruition. Okay, now you told me about one service. Can you tell us about the coaching and consulting um, portions? Great, right. Uh, so Leading Like a Buffalo came to fruition back in July of 2022. And Mike Jewick, my partner I just referenced in Dynamico, we are partners in this new venture because he and I have coached and mentored people and we have a comparable approach. Um, it was a natural fit for the two of us to partner on this. And we have taught, um, we've, We've taught college classes together for leadership. So we've done it before. We've worked together in two leadership environments before. We know how each other's wired and it was a good fit. So what we do with our current clients, it's, it's, it depends on the needs of the client. Sometimes it's mentoring, sometimes it's coaching, sometimes it's just blatant consulting. We've got a client who great in his world at what he did and he wanted to hang his own shingle. So now he's doing it over here in, in his profession but he's never run a company before. He's got eight employees and wants to expand to 50. So I start asking him questions about what are you doing about things like uh, long-term and short-term disability or insurance? And what about the development of teams inherent in a 50-person company? He, like 
he had no idea. So I can literally put my consulting hat on and say, here are some ideas to implement. Let's talk them through versus a traditional coaching lens where the client inevitably comes up with the answer or a mentoring lens where I guide them towards, towards multiple answers and they pick. So that's our approach. We do individual coaching, mentoring, and consulting. We do group. And I also have an executive cohort that by application only, executives can join this cohort to have a networking, um, social support networking, because what I've experienced and what you can probably uh, envision, and you've probably experienced as well, the higher you go in an in organization, especially at the C-suite level, executive director, president level, yes, you're on an island. And they typically, people in those positions typically don't have a an internal network to discuss things with the bounce ideas off of that type of thing. So I, I realized that was what my network is what really got me to where I am and continues to bolster my success. So I created this executive cohort so we can meet monthly to learn from one another, to support one another, to talk through issues, because let's get down, let's face it, leadership is leadership. It doesn't matter if you're running a nonprofit, you're running a Fortune 500 or a Fortune 100 company, or you're running a public institution. Leadership is leadership. And if you've got other C-suite level people in the room with you discussing leadership, you're going to be better off for it. So those are the three things we do. Mike also, my partner Mike also does uh, individual coaching and group coaching with me at times. And we love it. Um, if at the end of the day, we can say we helped other leaders We've had a good day. That, okay, okay. And, and I like to hear that helping. And and uh, one part of this that we got to get out here, and this is for people to become more personable to you personally. Um, I pay homage to this show. Uh, it was a news magazine called 2020. Had um, Barbara Walters on there. Had Diane Sawyer. Had John Stossel for comedy. I, I like Barbara Walters. So we're going to ask some personable questions real quick if you don't care. We're going to get in a little deep here. So your first 2020 question, this is a quick setup that will be something from Diane Toyer. All right, you're helping people and helping people takes its toll. Um, what do you do for self-care? Wow, that's an insightful question because so many people, to include the clients with whom I interact, overlook that all the time. So I spend quality time with my wife and kids. My kids live 85 miles from me and we can easily see them once a month, once every couple months, whatever. We, we make that jaunt up to Madison, Wisconsin. And my wife and I, we spend a lot of quality time, whether it's taking bike rides, walking, um, binging some shows on Netflix or something, <laughs> something to that effect. We read the same genre of books. So that helps. We can discuss books. And um, I also work out at least three times a week which helps and she works out seven days a week and we oh. work out together and it's it's about enjoying life i realized about 10 years ago i no longer lived to work i want to work so i can live and i i've embraced that 10 or 15 years ago and my time away from work is just as important as what I'm doing with my clients. So I've embraced that. I live that daily. Okay. Okay. And that's a good one. I like that. And the reason that I always like to ask uh, certain people that question is because no, no, a lot of people, like you said, they don't check on what goes on behind the scenes when you're helping people. Because when you're helping, right. some people have a, don't have a network, so you don't know. But the audience knows that you have a good support system. And I thank your wife and your family for that and your extended friends, whoever helps out 
around with all that. Now, we got to get a little deeper because we got that right there. Um, you got two companies and you have another venture we'll talk about in just a minute. I don't want to get into that until uh, a little bit later. But how do you handle pressure? And when I say this, you answered the first question of self-care. But when I say pressure, it's like this. Me and you both work on a time clock. I'm going to work X amount of hours to get something done. And then you can probably pull away from it like I can, because I can just pull away and go into other devices. Like you said, you could, but pressure deadlines to do things. How do you handle pressure? Because the way I handle pressure is I don't handle the pressure until the weekend. During the week, I have enough stability and enough stuff going on that I can handle what I need to. But if the pressure gets too high for me, I'm going to make my way through it. But on Saturday or Sunday, I'm going to, figure out how to alleviate that pressure. I'm like, man, this, I'm so tense. I'll play a video game. I'll go for a run. I'll read a book. So how do you alleviate the pressure? How do you get rid of the pressure when you were at work, you're handling challenges at your job, you're building a new company. So you got ideas going on and stuff like that. And then you have that, uh, that inside feeling sometimes not, uh, imposter syndrome or anything like that, but something similar to that, like saying, I can't do this or something's not working right. What can I do to fix this variable? How do you handle that? I try to get away from it on weekends. I'm always there for my clients. They've got my cell phone number and I'm all, I won't ignore them, but I consciously ignore work emails. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years, like consciously <laughs> ignoring weekend, not all the time. On the weekend, I ignore work emails. Like don't even do it. And there, this sounds stupid, but we all have, most people have smartphones. Put that that mail icon like on its own page three to the right so you've got to actively swipe to that thing to get to it and then consciously hit it so it's easy to ignore and you really got to be desperate and stupid to say all right against everything that's i'm I'm, i want to ignore work this weekend but i'm gonna swipe and i'm gonna swipe again and i'm gonna swipe again and then i'm gonna hit the like there's an addiction there if you have to do that but that that really helped it sounds stupid but it really helped me to get it off my home screen to to put it in the back of my brain so that is the best way for me to handle the stress is just to unplug conceptually away from work again my clients have my cell phone number and i don't mind that at all but typically there's rarely a leadership quandary that needs to be addressed at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. So clients typically <laughs> don't call me, you know, I, I work with people who have long range problems. I mean, you know, we're going to work Monday through Friday because you've got something six months from now that you need to lay the groundwork for now. It's not, Oh, seven o'clock. This is what happened just now, please. What do I do to, to solve this? <laughs> I, I welcome those calls, but it, it typically doesn't happen. So I unplug and get away from it and just, lose myself and living living my life and getting away from work again I'm, I'm working monday through friday and i'll work you know i had a colleague say to me a number of years ago there's 24 hours in every day that's the good news the bad news is there's 24 hours in every day if i i need to i'll work until midnight i i've i've emailed people in the wee hours i've had email conversations with people in the wee hours who reply immediately it happens. It's a part of life. But come Saturday and Sunday, I'm unplugging. If I'm on vacation, unless the client needs me and there's desperation, late, late voice on the other end, I'm done for two weeks while I'm on vacation. I appreciate that because like I treated like back when we first got a major cell phones, the weekend minutes, your time, your free weekends used to start at like 6.59 on Friday 
and end at at a, what five fifty nine or six fifty nine on Sunday or something like that. Yeah. So that's that's how I treat life. So I thank you for that. Now, I thank you for getting very personable with us, letting us know a little bit about how you are cracked up, how the yoke and everything is inside your egg. Now, let's spin this back around. You have a book coming out, correct? I do. Could you please tell the audience the long title for that book? <laughs> it's not that long. <laughs> the Power of Me Leadership. Nine Leadership Tenets for Every Leader. It'll be on Amazon pre-sale. It, it is right now. It'll it'll be up and running at the time this podcast airs. We'll be live on Amazon and you can jump on Amazon, grab it. Uh, Daniel S. Cop is me, the author, The Power of Me Leadership. And I wrote that book. It's been years in the making. For the last 10 plus years, I've had contemporaries and students say to me, dude, you need to write a book. And my gut reaction was, uh, I don't have anything of value. I, you know, I, I don't have a 10 step process for leadership. Like what? No. So in the last five years, I've really had some powerful leadership experiences that allowed me to understand what I bring to the table and that I do have a, a voice that needs to be heard. So my initial goal for writing the book was to show people, I sort of referenced the path I started taking in 2010 to discover why I am the person I am. And I, I, my intent was to, to discuss how I discovered why I am wired the way I am with the understanding or the hope that it would guide other people doing this, the same thing. When I was done and I realized the leadership tenets that I had articulated in this book were, it's just good leadership. So it went from, here's my path to self-discovery. Maybe you could do something like it to be a better version of you to here are nine things that are going to lead to successful and good leadership that you should embrace. So there it's literally, I've had people, many people in my um, network review the book for me to give me feedback. And I've had them come back and say, dude, I implemented stuff the next day at my place of employment. Like, this is powerful. It changes the way I look at things. I've got a close friend named Yolanda Johnson. She's a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the army. She implemented stuff and she looked at leadership differently the next day based on this book. And I thought I couldn't measure up to what she's experienced and what she's able to do. And here she told me my book enlightened her and gave her more tools for her toolkit. That's impressive. And you answered two of my questions because I was going to ask you about the whole me leadership, but you went in and uh, did all that. Well, let me clarify the me in that statement is the reader. Like everybody has the power to lead within them. So when I work with my clients, I help that we work through a values exercise, which most adults can figure out. They know their values, right? But they don't yes. know why they have them. So we talk about the why. And let me tell you how uncomfortable it is for a C-suite executive who's at the pinnacle of his or her career when I start prodding. But why is that important to you? Like, leave me alone. I don't want to answer the why. I just know it. I'm 35 years into this corporation and I'm at the top and I know who I am. Don't ask me why. But when you start prodding, it's an uncomfortable conversation for most adults to figure out that why because you're going to go back and there's two 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 trains of thought. Some people would have you believe that you're who you are as an adult based on experiences up through age 13. Personally, I, the, the earliest back I can track my nine tenants are when I was a, a junior in high school. So I was 16 to 17 years old. So I am who I am based on formative life experiences I had basically in my young adult years into my 20s. Okay. And then, and then it all came full circle. So I want to ask you a question. 
and this deals with leaders. Um, when does a leader fail? A leader fails when they forget people are involved in what they're doing. There are a lot of ways to fail. That seems to be the most prominent one. So maybe you've got a leader who takes an autocratic approach. Maybe you've got, a, which is necessary time, don't get me wrong. When there's an emergency, you need to be autocratic. You're not going to have a group meeting to collaborate on how to respond to an emergency. You're just going to do it, right? Um, or you've got a laissez-faire leader, or you've got a leader who is in their office worried about day-to-day minutia, and they forget they are employing people, or they have a team out there that needs to interact with a human being. So when you forget you've got people working with you and for you, that's when leaders fail, always. There are other things that go into failure, but that seems to be the most prominent one. All right, and I need your answer to these terminologies, and and I need to see if we're in agreement or disagreement on this. Is there a difference between a leader and a manager? Absolutely. Um, You know, it's funny when you can go on, you've probably encountered people in their lives, I'm not a manager, I'm a leader. Great, good for you. You read a book to, to learn the difference between the two and you think one's better than the other. I would argue you can't lead if you haven't managed first. If the walls are falling down around you and I'm not a manager, I, I don't care about the logistics. I'm gonna go out and lead and we're gonna have a vision and we're gonna, we're gonna work to make that happen. All right, well, somebody's gotta manage this stuff in the background or else that vision's never gonna come to fruition. So they're related. You have to manage at the same time you are leading because you can have the best vision, you can have the best relationships, but if you your the walls are crumbling around your company or you, you don't have logistics and people don't know procedures and they don't know what to do if X, Y, and Z happen, like all those things that going into whether standard operated procedures, policies, handbooks, whatever, you need all that stuff in place because people need to know expectations, they need to know the rules, they need to know what to do in a case of something happens, whatever it is, you need to have management type tasks completed so that you can lead effectively. If you don't have management taken care of, you're never gonna be an effective leader. Okay, I mean, that right there, like that, that's gonna work on so many levels. I'm gonna have to make an audio clip out of that, what you uh, put said right there. Now, what's the greatest weakness in leadership? Wow. Greatest, you know, it's a very general question, but when leaders think they've arrived, if you have a leader who doesn't embrace being coached or isn't going to read the next leadership book or doesn't want to interact with other leaders or their contemporaries in a, in a growth mindset, then you've got a problem because leadership last year is different than leadership this year, just like it's different from leadership in 1980. It's always evolving as society evolves, as humans evolve, leadership has to evolve as well. And when you've got someone who's stagnant in leadership, that's when you've got a problem. Okay. And see, like you just hit each point. Now, um, in leadership, you know, we have to take on the role of being an active listener. We have to hear ideas and we have to take some of these ideas and accept certain things because we have to be proficient and efficient in leadership, like you said. So what was one of the first ideas that you took from someone that was a subordinate to you and and, and used it in your leadership skills later? Whoa. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to 
not be able to give you an answer for the for the sole reason I engage with my team routinely. So to go back and say this is the first time it happened is <laughs> it, it's not possible because one of my tenants is lead like King Arthur. King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table. You get your your team, your executives, your whatever it is, your your leadership team around the table. You're going to discuss the topic at hand. Even if it's a decision I have to make, I need to hear their points of view so I can make the best decision possible. So I can't put my finger on it. Oddly enough, my mom does a great job, like everybody's mom, um, giving keeping old newspaper clips, et cetera. Well, I was the non-commissioned officer of the quarter in Fort Devens back in 1991. And there was a big newspaper article about me. She gave me Actually, she gave one of my kids that article within the last year, and I read it. I thought, oh, my gosh, Leading Like King Arthur is something I embraced back then when I was 22 years old because I talked about I learn as much from those I lead as I hope they learn from me. So to put a finger on when was the first time you, you took something from a subordinate and, and, and use that in operations or in leadership, I couldn't tell you because I've been doing it my entire adult life. That's how I roll. And that's an example of that is Mike, my partner I've referenced. My job was to work with him for him to get ready for the next steps. So I was working with him daily on his job. He was engaged with me on my job so that he understood the bigger picture in the school and he was ready for next steps when they were presented to him or when he chose to take them. So I've been doing it my whole life. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't have a good answer for you other than it's constant. Okay. And the last leadership question I want to get out here. Um, values, uh, morals, please instill in the audience before this leaves, this episode goes off the air. Um, well, it's going to go off the air regardless, but um, please tell us about the morals and the values that you demonstrate as a leader that you present. And I don't want you to give them all the way because if you give them all the way, then that might be everything you have. Not saying that, that it is, but could you give us a few of your values and just some morals that you carry with you? Because I'll give you, for instance, with me, Charles Swindle uh, wrote this poem called Attitude. Attitude, I know you've heard it before. Attitude, that is like what I use in life, that uh, 10% of what happens to me, 90% how I react to it. I follow that in life and it's made me the type of success that I look for. Um, so please tell me about some important values um, or morals that you have as a leader and that you look for in leaders. That is a great question. And I'm going to I'm going to tie it back into one of my leadership tenets you'll find in the book because it sort of brings in some of the values. It's be beyond reproach. So as a leader, you've always got to act morally and ethically and have no ulterior motives. Because the second you do that, someone's if you act immorally, act unethically, or have a hidden agenda, people are going to notice that. And if you do it over in this world and you, you, you're doing it over here, but then a year later, six months later, the next day, 10 years later, you do something over here, you're going to get questioned because you've proven to people you're not trustworthy or you're unethical. So when you do something wrong over here and you get questioned over here, you're wrong and you've got some explaining to do. But if you're always act with integrity, honesty, and I'm going to throw loyalty in, when you do that all the time, when people question you, that's their problem. It's not your problem. 
So integrity is huge for me. So is honesty. And then I'm going to throw in the other one, loyalty. I've got loyalty tattooed on my chest for crying out loud. It is important <laughs> to me. Um, really being beyond reproach brings it all together. Always act with proper deportment so that people, when they question your morals, ethics, and motives, they've got a problem. You don't. Because if you do something wrong over here, they're going to see it. And if they question you, you're wrong. And you've got to own it. Also, one of my tenants, own your behavior and your words. Accountability. There you go. All right. So, Dan, one thing we do on this show, we do the shameless plug. I need you real fast. Well, not real fast, but just do it at your own pace. Please plug everywhere and anywhere that people can find you across the Internet or the augmented reality. Because, you know, people got different names for the Internet now. So please tell us where everyone can meet and greet you on the Internet. All right. Sounds good. Um, I have two companies, so it's almost like I have an identity crisis, right? So one easy email, dan at leadingbuffalo.com. That's the easiest email. I I'm on both that one and dan at dynamicosystems.com daily, but Leading Buffalo, it's easy to spell, easy to pronounce. People understand it. People know it. So leadingbuffalo.com, dan at leadingbuffalo.com. You can find me there. I would love to work with your listeners, whether it's leadership or compensation. I know we can take every single one of your listeners who's an employer and take from them from where they are with, with compensation to where they want to be. Our system's user-friendly. They mention your podcast. I will knock 20% off of our licensing fee for Dynamic Comp to get them started and out the door. It's, it's very easy. We could literally be up and running in a week if they contact me. And if people want to talk to me about coaching, I'll offer up five free hours of coaching for the first five people who contact me and want to explore a coaching or mentoring relationship in the future. So Dan at leadingbuffalo.com is the best way to find me. Feel free to reach out for either service and I'm here to help. Even if somebody reaches out just with a, a mere question and they want clarity or they want help and that's just email me, call me, you know, we can, we can have a conversation. I'll help if I can. An audience. That's one thing that I love about people like Dan, people that are encouraging engagement, engage with everything that he has going on um, because he can help you. And one thing inside leadership uh, that can't be taught, can't be manufactured is focus. So Dan, you're on the hot seat for this one. Give me four ways you stay focused in leadership. Being true to yourself has got to be number one. Be true to yourself. Know why you are that person. Take care of your people. And that's also one of my tenets that I describe in the book. And it's going to look different for everybody who just heard that. Take care of your people and be beyond reproach. So those things are going to take you places. Now, I've obviously got other tenets I discuss in the book. I do speaking engagements. I do keynotes. I talk about the other tenets. But the essence of the tenets Taking care of your people should resonate with every leader and every employer out there. And they should think, how do I take care of my people in my situation, in my role? What does that look like? That's If you can do that daily, and again, it's going to look different for everybody who's listening to this podcast. If you can do that daily, you're going to be on the path to successful leadership. Take care of your people. Okay, and Dan Cop, I want to thank you for coming on uh, West Virginia and Commonplace. Uh, a few things that I picked up from you from the pre-call to now, because um, I give a quick little testimony about people, just from what I hear from you. Um, you have ingenuity, um, and you have charisma. Charisma, once again, is one of those things that I always say can't be bought, manufactured. It's something that's in your blood. Got it from someone in your family, some genetics uh, came down the line, and they said you need to be charismatic, so keep that. 
Next thing, wanting to help out in the world, wanting to help people be better than their normal selves. Um, and when I say normal selves, I'm not putting a, a cap on the word norm. I'm just saying to be more, to be uh, innovative in leadership. Being innovative in leadership can lead to a healthier, stronger life and better connections. Connections are the key point of what you do in life, Dan. So that right there, I want you to take that, put that on a plaque, tattoo it on your back, whatever you want to do with that and keep that. Um, and then being powerful, you have non-powerful things that you want to provide to all leaders and people that are moving up uh, to a higher ascendant level in leadership. That right there is what I like, because in my type of job, uh, we have leadership and you have to have certain qualities and certain things that uh, tie you into leadership. And obviously you represent all of those things. Those attributes were probably given to you at birth and you just don't know it. When you woke up, you you know, when you came out your mom's womb, you were already a leader. And everybody is a leader, like you said, in some vice and in some ways. So to anyone that uh, feels like they're not a leader, there's ways to get in touch with Dan to build up your self-esteem also inside leadership. Because the thing in leadership is sometimes being a leader and doing all this stuff gives you an underwhelming feeling of loneliness because you're at the top absolutely and being on top of that mountain sometimes because i'm in west virginia most of the time um you can fall down and falling down there's nobody to put you back up there but yourself so i want to thank you for that dan and i want to want to thank you also for having fortitude fortitude uh my god in this day and age uh is a hard thing to have because people just our morality system and different things like that tend to pe- make people not want to embrace leadership. People want to uh, micromanage leadership into multiple people, which that's fine too if you're into that type of leadership, but being strong and not being bold. That's not the adjective I want to look for. It's probably like 40 different adjectives I could use. Um, tenacity, tenacity. I will just go with that. Hey, how about this one? Be the buffalo, tattooed on my arm. <laughs> yeah, be the buffalo. Tenets. Yeah, so Dress issues in front of you. That's what it's all about. Don't run from them. Address issues in front of you. Okay. And we can definitely go with that. So that's your testimony for me that, you know, keep doing what you're doing and being very strong in leadership and being very uh, approachable. It's hard to talk to people, not as a podcaster, but it seems like someone could approach you and and it doesn't have to be on this high echelon. They can come talk to you because you generalize. Generalizing is such a hard thing for anybody to do once you ascend to certain levels, because I see some people in leadership that don't know how to generalize anymore. And you can do that. So I want to thank you for that. And um, lastly, before we get off here, I need you to give a big shout out to everybody that's helped you along the way that you can put inside a little bit of time. Because the thing is, is that we don't give flowers to people that help us. We give flowers to supporters sometimes, but the people that actually help us that are there you know, when it's raining and different things like that, or when you fall in the snow or the snowmobile doesn't work, there's people that help you get that snowmobile back home, you know, and different things. Right like that. So, so who's helped you along the way and give them a quick shout out, please. Right on. My wife, Corey of 33 years, my two kids, Corden and Calvin, one's 19, one's 22. My uh, good friend and partner, Mike, Dr. Mike Jewick, he's a partner in both companies. My friends from when I served in Panama back in the day, Matt and Yolanda Johnson. My friend Frank, who was my best man at my wedding back in the day, he's he's from New York as well. Matt and Yolanda from New York, and my childhood friend Eric Reinecke. Those are the people I, I express appreciation in my book to, and they're the people who've informed me my growth for, for most of my life. Okay, so. 
And uh, to wrap this up, I am JR from West Virginia and Commonplace here with Dan Cobb. Uh, any information that you need to know about Dan Cobb will definitely be in the show notes. And everybody knows, like always, our show notes are provided by our guest on the show so that he will have all his information directed to where you can find him, greet him, meet him, and conduct business and become social with him. That's a key thing, people. Um, business and, and being social go hand in hand. Um, so on that note, I'm going to say a firm goodbye, and I'm going to have Dan say a goodbye. Thank you very much, JR, and I, it was a pleasure talking to you, so thank you. All right, signing off. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok, where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn. Hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site. Join the email list from the website and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly, thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.